we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Now, if you would, may you find on your listening sheet or turn in your scripture, we're going to read aloud Philippians 3, uh, 7 through 11. So as you find that, would you stand with me? This then is the text for today. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, as we move into Philippians chapter 3, we're moving into the second half of this book. And we move into the second half, there's a bit of a turn. So before we have been under house arrest with Paul, where Paul is chained to a guard, kept in a house, and awaiting his trial. And today, as it were, we, we move from house arrest to a courtroom. But as we move into chapter 3, it's not Paul's courtroom that we move into. It's not him before Caesar. We are taken up into the heavens before the throne of God, coming face to face with our own judgment. So it's not Paul on trial today, but it's each and every one of us who are on trial. It's as if Paul is asking each of us to imagine ourselves before the Creator at the end of time, pleading our case for our life in eternity. And if that is where you were, if you were before the throne of God, arguing your case, how would you argue? If you were at the crossroads of heaven and hell, defending yourself, what is the best line of argument that you could come up with on your own behalf? Because that is the greatest question that is set before humanity today. That is the greatest question that each and every one of us as an individual is going to have to answer. When you are there before the throne, what is your defense? When you are there at the end of time, how will you argue for yourself? What are you going to come up with on your own behalf? Because most everyone, everyone around us, everyone who's ever walked the face of this earth answers that question in about the same way. And in fact, it's the same argument that these Judaizers that the Apostle Paul is dealing with, it's what they would come in and torment him with. They would come in and they would torment the early church with. You know, it's something like this. This is the best line of thinking that we can come up with. We're standing on trial in a grand celestial courtroom. 
And we walk towards the throne and we're just fumbling through all of our files. And, and as we fumble through our files, we begin to pull out the standards that we've always held in high regard in our own minds. And so we fumble through and we stand before the throne and we say something like this. Well, I went to church every Sunday. Well, most every Sunday. Most every Sunday that we were in town, and m most every Sunday that we all felt, well, we were there. And then we say, and most of those Sundays we took the kids to Sunday school. That's a, that's a strong one, that's a good one. And we gave, at least in the good years, at the good times we gave, and that one time we, we gave to a campaign. We gave what we could. Oh, and there are other things. I've, I've always tried to make sure that I was honest with people. I've tried to make sure that I was honest in business. In fact, there was, there was this one time, there was a contract before me, and I knew there was a mistake in my favor, and, and I, t I told them that they, they might want to reevaluate it from their end. And we all know that my partners wouldn't have done that. I stepped up and was honest when they wouldn't have been. You know, these are the best kinds of things that we can come up with on our own. That's the pinnacle of it for us. And, and in fact, it's, it's not just us. These are the very same kinds of things that human religions have taught for thousands of years. I mean, this kind of list is humanity's best effort to encroach on the divine. And it is pathetic. You know, some people genuinely believe and they genuinely teach that the best shot at holiness is for you to find your one or two most polite moments in your life and just bask in that. There are others that genuinely believe and they act like their salvation depends on whether or not they can find somebody in this world who is worse than them. That there are people who will, will stand before the throne of God at the end of time and say, I was better than them. I was better than that guy. And we truly live like if I can find somebody who has lived this life worse than I have, then I must be okay. That must mean that, mean that I am good. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not as bad as they are. And when these are our arguments, it is pathetic. It won't work. That's not what the Word of God teaches. That's not what the church teaches. That's not who we are. That's not where we find our salvation. You know, there were these, these kinds of what we call now Judaizers uh, in the early church with Paul and what they would teach. So Paul in, in many, start, started many churches in the ancient world. So he would go and he would, he would plant a church and it would be planted in the gospel. And there would be these others that would come in after him and there would be uh, devout Jewish Christians. And they would come in and tell the church, they'd say, well, well Paul gave you the beginning. This is, there's more. And in fact, what you need to do next then and the next step on the way to salvation is to essentially become Jewish where you need to, even as adults, become circumcised. You need to start following the kosher food laws, you know, like not eat pork, those kinds of things. And then you're made right with God. And so Paul brought the gospel to the church as the Holy Spirit led him to. And these false teachers, he calls them dogs down in verse 2, these dogs and false teachers would come in and say, well, that, that's not enough. The gospel is good and well, but, but let's go ahead and add what needs to be added 
He said, you, you need to know this is the beginner version. There's more. And they just start adding burdens on the church. It's the gospel and. It's the gospel in this. It's the gospel in that. It's the gospel plus all of these other burdens that they wanted to place on the church. So they said you had to do all of these kinds of good deeds and essentially you had to become Jewish to enter heaven. So let's say this clearly this morning. There is no such thing as the gospel and. There's nothing after that. It's, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. There's nothing else that goes with it. There's nothing else to add to it. This is not the beginner version. This is the eternal version. And if anyone ever adds anything to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have created a false gospel, and we need to call it what it is. And so we stand before the throne. We stand before the throne, and we plead our case at the end of time. And to sum it all up, Your Honor, we went to church. We took care of the kids. I tried to be honest at work. I, I took my sister-in-law a casserole when my brother died. It, I, I, you know, we didn't follow the kosher food laws, but, you know, your servant Paul told us we didn't have to. And in conclusion, I have 2,578 charitable giving receipts to submit as my final evidence that I'm Okay. And so ends our defense of ourselves. Those are the kinds of things that we come up with on our own to justify spending eternity in the presence of a pure and holy God. And it's laughable, it doesn't work. You know, Christ may be standing there kind at first. You know, Chris, you, you forgot about that time you helped the little boy that fell off his bike. Or, you know, Chris, you, you did help for one day on the mission trip. But listen. When you are standing before eternity, we're not dealing with the greatest hits of your life. You don't get to cherry pick the, the top 10 moments of the last 70 years of your life. But unfortunately, this is, this is how we think of the final judgment. We think we're going to be able to stand in the end and pull out a list of the 10 best things we've ever done and lay them before the throne of God and say, I think that's enough. But we're thinking about it all wrong. That's, that's not how it works. In fact, it's the exact opposite of how it works. You see, Scripture tells us plainly that neither God nor his dwelling tolerates sin. So much so that a single sin is incompatible with heaven. And with one stain of sin on her life, we are separated from God. And it isn't that God doesn't want you there. God does. But when we commit sin, we're declaring war on God and choosing to be separated from him. You know, that's why our, our 10 good deeds aren't enough. And you're, you're never gonna be able to do enough good deeds to cover the stain of sin on your life. It's, it's not possible. And so when we plead our case of goodness in heaven's courtroom, it actually goes a different direction. And in fact, the Lord begins to speak and begins to recite our sin to be judged, all of it. Every poor decision we've ever made, every word spoken in emotional outbursts, every lustful thought. Frankly, God will not have to go past the very first time we were willfully disobedient. And at that first indiscretion, we are guilty. We're disqualified from heaven and punished in hell. You see, it's, it's that and it's over. You are guilty. You see, I know 
It's impossible. It's impossible even for the best of us to enter into heaven on our own merit. You know, amazingly, in our text of this week, when we get to uh, Philippians 3, 5, and 6, the Apostle Paul goes after these Judaizers. And, and this is the way he does it. He says, if, if you want to talk about resumes, let me just tell you something. My resume is better than any of your resumes. And so Paul, Paul takes the argument in this direction. He's saying, if, if you want to talk about resumes, I have a good a resume and as strong a Jewish pedigree as any one of you. And this is what I know. None of it matters. None of us are going to make it on our own into heaven. None of us have a resume good enough to get into heaven. He says there's another way. Now, look down with me. Let's look at Philippians 3, and I'm, I'm going to read uh, 5 through 11. So, let's, let's look at that together. So, you start in verse 5. This is where Paul jumps in. He says, if you want to talk about confidence in resumes, l- listen to my resume. So, ver- verse 5. A circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is found in the law, found blameless. But, then we get to verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Do you you hear what he's saying here? The, The resume doesn't matter. In fact, your past doesn't matter. The good deeds don't matter. That God loved you so much that he sent his son for you that you might have a way out because it is impossible for you. What you need to understand this morning, it's impossible, and, and we are nothing. But God loved you so much that long before you could ever comprehend it, God knew that you needed his grace, and he's offering you a way out through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and the way of the word is that if only you would repent and believe in Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. You see, that's the gospel. There's no amount of good that you can do. Our call is to repent and believe. And when we repent and believe, we are saved, and that is it. You see, in the most gracious act ever bestowed on humanity, God said for a second time, anyone covered by the blood of the Lamb will be spared his judgment. You know, it's, so, it's, it's like in Exodus 12, if you think back to the book of Exodus, when the nation of Israel is coming out of Egypt. There's this powerful moment that's pointing us to Jesus Christ. He says there, the, the angel of death is coming down upon Egypt. And God says to those that are obedient to his children, he says, you take a lamb and you, you cover the, the doorpost with the blood of the lamb. And everybody who is under by the blood of the lamb, everybody who's covered by the blood of the lamb, they will be passed over. And in fact, they, they will be spared of the judgment that is coming down upon this nation. And it's just like this, and, and it's just like this at the end, that anyone who accepts the blood of Jesus Christ will be passed over during the judgment and offered new life in Jesus Christ. That if you will accept Christ and his blood, and that blood is marked over your life, then you're spared. 
then you're spared of your sin and you're spared of the judgment you deserve, not because you are good, but because of what Christ did on the cross. So that when we stand in the God of angel armies courtroom, we don't have to fumble through files of former deeds. All we have to say is that Jesus Christ is Lord and I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood that was shed on the cross. And with, with Christ at our side, he will say, it is so. He is one of mine. She is one of mine. They are redeemed because they're with me, with Christ. Not because of anything we've done, but because of everything that he did, everything that he's doing, because he went to the cross on our behalf. And so my righteousness is not of my own merit. It's not because I keep the law. My righteousness is not because I'm good. I am made right with God because Jesus Christ is good. And I'll follow him wherever he leads me to go. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And we're grateful for your truth. And Lord, we are grateful that it is not on our own merit that we are made righteous. Lord, because we, we know when we sit here and we're honest with ourselves, not a single one of us measures up. And so we praise your name for your grace. And Lord, we pray that together in worship this morning, you would help us to better understand that grace and experience that grace and know you intimately. And so, Lord, in this time, as, as we gather together, would you work and move in our hearts and, and break into the hardness of our being and, and make it right? Lord, draw us into you so that we might be saved. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.